0: to get this off my chest. It's been weighing me down. It was summer of 1988. I was eight years old. I had breakfast every morning that summer, and my dad, would, he would when he would eat cereal, he would take his Honey Nut Cheerios. Now, mind you, when I ate my Honey Nut Cheerios, my mom told us we have to eat out of this certain size bowl. And they were Tupperware. You know what Tupperware is, right? non-breakable things. But it, it was a smaller bowl. And my, when my dad ate, I remember this bowl very clearly. He used the Daddy Bowl. The Daddy Bowl was white and had roosters on it. I don't know why, but he ate out of a big bowl. My mom left me and my brother alone one morning never told you guys this. I'm just getting off my chest. <laughs> and I went and got that daddy bowl. And I filled that thing up with Honey Nut Cheerios. Just like my daddy. Filled that thing up with milk. All the way to the top, there were Honey Nut Cheerios spilling over the side of that thing. I was so happy. I went to take that bowl to the dining room table. And... A little bit of milk that had slipped over caused my fingers to slip, and I dropped that bowl. And that bowl from one piece went to four pieces there on the ground, along with a big mess. So I began to clean it up. It was a big mess. Cleaned up as good as I can, the sticky mess that it was. And At that point, I had a choice. I was at a crossroads at that point, you know. I knew my mom was coming home soon. And I could just, when she got home, I could just confess and tell my mom what I had done. She'd probably get mad at me. I'd probably get punished, but move on. Or I could do the, the opposite, and I could try to cover it up. Just go out and go ahead and guess which one I did. I grabbed the super glue from the, from the drawer. And I began to take those four pieces of the gigantic white rooster bowl and I began to glue them together at that Super Bowl, which is super sticky, by the way. And I did it. I put that thing back together. By the time my mom got home, she knew nothing about it. I was so good at covering up. Well, it wasn't long after that she got home, she began to ask me questions. She was walking on the floor and it was a little bit sticky. She was like, why is the floor sticky? She began to look at the counter, which I had cleaned very well, by the way. And as she looked at that counter, it was a little more shinier than what it was before she left. Well, you know super glue gets everywhere. And she might have picked up on the fact that when I was using my hands, I could not separate (laughs) my fingers. She began to ask some questions, and I had been found out. I feel better. I got that off my chest. As I thought about that this week, why did I not tell my mom what I had done?
1: Yeah, I didn't want
0: to get in trouble. Yeah, that's true. I knew I would get in trouble. I knew that belt was coming. That was the way I was punished when I was a kid that age. I was eight years old, mind you, eight years old. As I thought about that, the real reason why I was covering it up, because I felt bad about it. I knew I was wrong. And there was a guilt there that very quickly turned into a shame. It's not about Easter. All this is going to the direction of where I want to go in John chapter 21. There was a disciple who had a shame problem. By the way, we all do. This disciple's name was Peter. And in many ways, we are all Peters. I'll just go out and say it today. We are all in our own way Peters. You see, today I want to give you a message entitled, This is Love. That's a series that we're we're in, that the love of Jesus is beyond our comprehension. And we just want to hold him up today. This is not me. I just want to hold Jesus up and who he is and what he's done for us. And and I hope today as you go, as you leave this place, that if nothing else, you've seen and heard Jesus. That's been my prayer all week long, really for weeks and months, that when we came today, we would all go away having known and seen the love of Jesus in a new and fresh way. But what, it, what would it be? I call the, the title of this message is A Resurrection Encounter. If you were to encounter the resurrected Jesus, What would that experience look like? Well, as we pick up in John chapter 21, it is after the crucifixion of Jesus, after the disciples walked with Jesus for three years, and then this incredible, confusing thing happened for them that he was crucified and he was dead and put into a grave. And three days later, he rose again. And then Mary Magdalene had gone to the tomb. You remember the story? We heard a little bit today. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and and he wasn't in the tomb. The angel said, He's gone, he's risen. So she went and got the disciples. Like, he can won't believe it, he's not there anymore. And so John, who writes this book that we're about to read, John, the beloved disciple, and Peter, who's going to be our focus character today, they ran. Now, John was younger than Peter, so John was faster. That's kind of what the story. He gets there first, and John's on the outside saying he's not there well peter couldn't believe it so he went inside he looked for himself he was not there Jesus was no longer there in the grave a little bit after that jesus appeared to his disciples when they were in a room and not only did he walk into the room he didn't open the door he walked through the door can you imagine what that was like that doesn't happen to me regularly i don't know about you but Jesus walked through the door, and the disciples see Jesus. And even then, Thomas was like, man, I don't believe it. Like, can, can I touch? Can I touch? Jesus says, yeah, sure. Touch, touch my hands and touch my side. It did. Man, can you imagine what that was like? We don't know if Peter was in that room. We think maybe he was. It's not stated whether he was or not. I think it's likely. He was hanging out with the disciples. They're all trying to figure things out at this point. And they're experiencing Jesus in the post-resurrection era. Different, a little bit different. Like Jesus crucified, now he's resurrected, walking among them. You might think that, that would be pretty different for them. But Peter, at that point, he saw Jesus. He realized that he was wrong to deny Jesus. He went on before that. He denied Jesus three times. Jesus told him he would. Peter said, no, I won't. And he did. And Peter's like, yeah, Jesus... You are who you said you are. You did what you said you would do. You died and you rose on the third day. But then Peter still, as we pick up in chapter 21, Peter was MIA with shame. Can you imagine denying your master, your friend, now the Messiah, you realize this, and you denied him. You didn't believe in him enough to proclaim him and claim him among people who were asking, and he was hiding in his shame. I'll remind you the the phrase that I gave you on Friday night, if you weren't here, it's this. Watchman Nee said this about this season. He said, your past ended at the cross, and your future began at the resurrection. Well, that is the crossroads that we were, we are at, at John chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. And Peter, dealing with a great amount of shame, he said, I, I'm just, I'm just going to get away. I'm going to go away and do what I used to do. He was a fisherman by trade. So he went and got in his boat, and he ran in his shame. But here's the truth of today. When we ran, when we run, Jesus comes to us. And that's where we find ourselves in John chapter 21. Verse 1. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by... Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. And it happened this way. John's going to retell the story. Here's Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathanael from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out... To fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. Now, I want to stop there. First of all, I like Peter for this, because I'm a fisherman. He's like, hey, guys, let's go fishing. Like, why don't you come with me? I, I respect that. Respect for me. I don't know if you guys are a fisherman, but I love it. I love being on a boat. They're going out, and, and I asked the question, why did these other disciples go with Peter? Because I believe this, outside of Jesus, he's always the main character of every story, in Scripture, it always points to him. Outside of him, I believe they're secondary characters here. They're supporting characters. And Peter, this really is a story of Peter and how Jesus treats him where he's at. Why did they go with him? I think they were concerned. I think they were worried about their brother, their friend. I think they saw Peter in his downtrodden state dealing with this incredible amount of shame. He said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm going to go fishing. You guys want to come with me? And so they went with We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. That's why they call it fishing, not catching, right? Let's continue to read. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. So enter Jesus into the story. He called out to them. That's important. Circle called, okay? He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? Of course, he knew the answer to that. They said, no. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then a disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, by the way, that happens five times in the book of John. Most theologians think that that is John, the writer here. Some think it's others. But, but actually, every time that happens, when you see the beloved one, like those are the people that are doing the things that we should be doing. It's kind of a model character in this book and so look what he does the disciple whom jesus loved said to peter it is the lord in other words he saw when he heard jesus when he heard the voice of his master the shepherd he knew this is jesus it is the lord as soon as simon peter heard him say it is the lord he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, very particular here, 153 fish. But even with so many, the net was not torn. By the way, a whole different sermon we like to talk about out of 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that that God will not tempt us more than we can handle? Did you ever know that it's the other way? That God does not give us more than we can handle? Like, like there's a miracle that happens there that all of these fish through the net didn't break. Do you know that if we experienced all the goodness of God, we would just explode? We could not take it. Even as we think about the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we think about Easter, God is giving us divinely the capacity to even grasp and contain how good and rich that really is that's a miracle in itself god is that big and he is that good little aside there so 153 fish not even the net was not torn verse 12 and jesus said to them come and have breakfast i love this None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. Now, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So that bread would have looked like a flatbread. You just get the picture here of what Jesus is doing. He's getting his fish. He's cooking them. He's putting the fish on there. I think that these were, these were Jesus' fish tacos, and he probably had a secret sauce. I mean, he's Jesus, right? But I love that this is what Jesus does. He meets us where we are listen to this jesus meets us where we are and gives us what we need listen that is the truth of easter if you came today with anything that you need jesus right now is coming to you he's meeting you where you are we're all in this room We simulcast, we live stream the the second service, so it goes all around the world, but we're not doing that now, so it's just us in the room, just secret here. Jesus is here. He's meeting with us, and he's offering us exactly what we need. Love that. Two things, there's some notes there that you were given in your handout. The first thing is this, that I want you to realize about this love, That Jesus has. The first is this. It's a love that calls. It's a love that calls. If you look at verse 5, you find Jesus going to the disciples, albeit in Peter's rebellious, shameful state. He came to them and then he called out with the voice. Can you imagine? The voice of Jesus. Creator of the world, calling out, "Hey, fellas, have you caught anything?" And he directed them of where they could get what they were seeking. Do you know that's the case of Jesus all the time? Do you know that restoration and salvation never stops with never starts with us? It always begins with Jesus. He comes to us. And many times, I know in my life, and I can go on a limb and say in your life too, we can try so hard when we fall into a pit of guilt and shame. We try so hard to do good things, to lift ourselves out of that pit. And it is a never-ending journey for us. We never really get anywhere. We do some good things, and yet we still experience that shame. And then in the midst of us trying to crawl out of that hole, here's the truth of Christmas and Easter – Christmas means that Jesus came into the hole with us. And Easter means that he can bring us out of that hole. Did you see that? That Christmas is Christ, God with us. He came from heaven to earth so that we could know him and have life in him. And so uh, Christmas means that that Jesus came and crawled into the hole with us. And Easter means that he came to lift us up. And just as he conquered the grave, he offers us victory over ours. I love this passage. It's one of those passages. It may not be a an Easter passage you've heard before. I, I love what Jesus did for Peter. Peter was really struck with shame. So much so that he could not even be with his friends like in their normals like hey you guys come with me let's just get away let's just run from what we've been doing let's go back to our old way of life and and i love that moment that jesus meets with peter and where peter tries to retreat from his old to his old familiar place to his comfort comfort zone that is where jesus meets him and jesus reenacts he takes him back to where he first met Jesus. Remember, what, remember that? It's John chapter 5. If you want some homework, go read John chapter 5. When Jesus was calling his first disciples, what did he do? He went out to the Sea of Galilee and he called a few guys who were fishermen. And how did he do that? Well, they were fishing. They weren't catching anything. Well, cast your net on the other side. And they caught a whole load of fish. You see, this is not the first time this has happened. And so what did Peter do? He went back where they first met Jesus. And he set this powerful picture up. But the difference is, that this time, this is the resurrected Jesus. You see, the first time Jesus went to the disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. It was a call, that call of Jesus, the love that calls us, that call of Jesus first for them before the resurrection was, hey, I'm going to give you something to do. I'm going to give you purpose. Come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. But this time, if you read further in the story, what does Jesus call Peter to do? He asked him a question. He says this, Peter, do you love me? He asked him that three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, I know you're dealing with some shame and guilt in your life. But Peter, do you love me? You see, there's an order of, the life that God wants us to have. see Jesus calls in the post-resurrection, and which is today, by the way, Jesus calls us not to a list of things to do. You see, the purpose doesn't come first. It's not a list of things, and life is not found, and hope is not found in a list of things to do or to not do. Life and hope is found not in those things. Life is found in the person of Jesus. That's why Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way. So it's not some things we have to do, but it's about a person we have to know. And so Jesus says, hey, Peter, do you love me? I know you messed up. I know you're dealing with significant shame. I know that. But look, I've taken care of that. Do you love me? Do you love me, the person of Jesus? And here's the truth out of that. When we retreat in shame, Jesus comes after us again and again, and again. He will never stop chasing us. He will never let go of us. His love that we focus on right now can change everything. Let's watch this together.
1: When we hear about Jesus dying on the cross, we often hear about the physical suffering, the pain, the torture, the excruciating execution We find ourselves wondering, maybe you've wondered, was all of this really necessary? Couldn't God have taken our sin away in some other way? Couldn't he have saved us without it all being so extreme? Being crucified on a Roman cross was the most humiliating way to die. It was a way for Rome to shame their rebels and criminals. And for a Jew, it was like being cursed by God. You see, Jesus went to the cross in order to go to the lowest place was humiliated and shamed so that no one, not even the worst sinner, would be out of the reach of God's love. Jesus went to the cross suffering alongside every victim in human history who has had their dignity robbed and their innocence destroyed. Jesus experienced the darkness of alienation so that even in your darkest night, even in death, you can know that you are not alone. God is with you and God loves you with a love. stronger than death. You see, the cross is not where the story ends. God raised Jesus from the dead. And because of the resurrection, we now know what the cross was all about. It's because of Easter that we understand the meaning of Good Friday. At the cross, Jesus died in our place for our sins. At the cross, Jesus entered into our pain and our shame. At the cross, Jesus came and took the weight of evil itself so that its power could be broken of Easter, because Jesus didn't stay in the grave, that we now know what this was all about. This is God in His love freeing us from sin. This is God in His love overcoming death. This is God in His love announcing new creation will come. Yeah, it's the resurrection that changed everything. Now we see this is love.
0: is a love that begs a response. It's a love that begs a response. That's your second blank. Now I want us to go back to our passage. When Peter sees that Jesus was there, when Peter finally, something happened, something happened there, when he realized that Jesus was there, what did he do? I love this. He put his cloak on, he would taken it off, and that in itself is a sign that as he put his cloak on, he was still dealing with some shame. He covered himself up before he jumped in the water. Do you all do that when you swim? Probably not. That's not a normal thing. But Peter didn't wait. He could not wait to be with Jesus. When he saw Jesus for who he is, and he realized what he had done, Jesus, and he realized what Jesus was offering him in that moment and that incredible love that he saw in the eyes of Jesus. And he heard in the voice of Jesus, he dove in the water, dove in. You see, this love of Jesus always begs a response. And when you really see the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, when you really realize who he is and you hear his call upon your life, when you really do that, there will be a radical response in your life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever responded radically toward the call of Jesus in your life? I did. Actually, it was that same year, 1988, in November. Of 1988. I was just like Peter. I was dealing with so much shame. I was a wretched little eight-year-old. I really was. That's just one story of many. One story of many. But in November of 1988, I heard the call of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I knew in my head. You see, Peter knew in his head all these things to be true. But there was a light flip trigger moment. And I believe this is the moment when he saw the resurrected Jesus victorious over death for all of who he is. Peter's like, I got to go. I got to go. This is the time. Now is the time. Now is the time to get this relief from the shame. Now is the time to have this weight lifted off of me. And I remember in November of 1908 where I knelt at a rocking chair, and I think it was a Lazy Boy rocking chair, and it was like light blue color. We had it for a while. We rocked our kids on it. I knelt next to that, and I invited Messiah Jesus Christ to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I accepted the great gift of salvation that day, and immediately I could feel this weight just lifted off of me. That's exactly what happened to Peter. At this point on, Peter was a different man. He made that radical leap toward Jesus, and from this point on, he was all in. I mean, just a little bit later, there Peter was, and he led the start of a movement with, of course, enlivened by the Holy Spirit, and a movement that would be called, that we know today as the church. He preached boldly, and he suffered greatly. He shepherded a flock of believers. And taught from what it means to be forgiven and free. Because that's what he experienced that day. He experienced forgiveness. He experienced the deep love of Jesus. And that anchored him through even the most difficult times. And it all began that day that Jesus found him on the shores and restored him. Now we're all Peters in our own way. That day, his life changed. And you know what? That is the truth. For today. Here is the Easter truth as we get ready to close. The band's gonna come up and lead us in a closing song. This song really is a song for response, but here's the Easter truth. What Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for us today. Did you get that? What Peter did, what Jesus did for Peter that day, he wants to do for you right now. And that includes me too. I think all of us come today with some burden, some weight, some guilt, and some shame. Do you know what? Jesus wants to give you freedom, release, complete release from those things today. That's for all of us. That's good news, that there is no such thing that there's too much. There's no such thing as a lost cause. There's no such thing as I've gone too far. However far that is, Jesus is with you today, and he's calling you. That, that loving call of Jesus, but that call always begs a response. What will you do with that call today? Will you continue where Peter was in his rebellion, or will you do the response of Peter, and will you turn to Jesus and accept the life that he has for you? Romans 5.8 says, God shows his love for us. He demonstrates his love for us that while We were sinners. Jesus knew all of our sin. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were enemies of God, while we were stuck in our sin, while we were caught in the trap, Jesus came for us and died for us. Before we even knew how to call his name, Before we were even a twinkle in our parents' eyes, Jesus came out of love that we might experience freedom. So I take you back to that statement. Our past ends at the cross in Jesus Christ and our future begins in your resurrection. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ when we embrace that, this is love. Don't look at me I want you to just kind of look at... Look at that. That's love. There is no greater love than what Jesus did on that cross. And there is no greater freedom than what you can find in Jesus and faith in Him. So there's two invites today. Today you come and, and you, you have that point just like I did in November of 1988. You can remember that time where you... Made that leap toward Jesus, that leap of faith, and put your trust in Jesus. Maybe today, the invitation is for you to accept the restoration of Jesus anew. That you would find a new place, a new standing for the one who makes all things new. And today, if you're seeking and you came today, it's like, "Ah, I've really never done that. I've heard about Jesus. I know some about him. But I'd like to know more about this freedom that I can find in Jesus. I have that weight, I have that guilt. I want to know, about, know more about this eternal life that we can find in Jesus. This hope that we can find in Him. If that's you today, I'd love to talk to you. We're going to have a, a song, and I'm going to stand up here. You're welcome to talk to me now. There's another way that you can respond today. Is You can take that connection card, and I'd love for you just to indicate on the back, there's a place there I'd like more information on finding hope in Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's in Jesus alone. If you'd like to talk to me or another pastor, just indicate that. I will call you today. I got a lot going on today, but there's nothing more important than that all about jesus and life in him today would you respond just as peter's did to the love of jesus let's pray jesus i thank you for your word thank you for who you are you are good you are loving you are gracious and righteous and today god i pray with all of the saints in the room i pray today that they would be salvation for some that don't have it in you god that, that today you would bring restoration day that you would bring new life, new hope, right here in this room. We pray in the name of Jesus.